Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Sleep, never retreat. Tyler, welcome back. Hey, what's up, Matt? I'm always excited to chat with you. You're such a fun and interesting guy, and all of our conversations have really been enjoyable. I got to say, though, I'm not super excited to be talking to you today, though. Yeah, yeah, this definitely is uh, not a good subject to talk about, but uh, this is a road to the trials, and this is uh, a journey along this trialed road, so uh, this is a conversation we need to have. Yeah, in our last conversation, if people hadn't tuned into it or maybe don't recall exactly uh, what transpired, um, you were not 100% back, but seemingly very optimistic about how things were going, how things were progressing. I actually got a note from your coach, Ben Rosario, afterwards. It's like a week after I think he heard the podcast, like a week after it had come out. He's like, hey, I thought the conversation was great with Tyler and you know he he reached out to me I, I didn't even message him about it which was you know I thought was pretty pretty interesting and certainly a nice thing for him to say but all things considered it seemed like things were going in the right direction not only in terms of how you viewed it but seemingly how your support staff and your coach viewed it as well if you could just walk me through when things maybe started to go the other way your stagnate what what was the what what has happened over the last three weeks uh, since our last conversation? Yeah, so we last talked in April, and right about that time, I was doing. Um, that was when Coach Ben and my PT guy was like, "Hey, let's up the intensity of the workouts and see how your body handles it." And my body was handling it very well, so that's why I was like really optimistic. I was like, "Wow, like we did a we just notch up on the training, and things were going well." I was like, "All right, this is cool," and for my body. Um, I wasn't getting pain free, but I wasn't getting worse in the pain as well or the discomfort. It was staying level. So we increased the duration, we increased the intensity, yet I still stayed level. I was like, okay, I see that as like a green light, you know, like we could we could keep moving forward. And so yeah, uh did two weeks of that essentially, and then um yeah, it was right around kind of around uh towards the end of April that, uh, yeah, it, it, we had to do another step because it was getting close to May. And this race I want to do was just happened to be the races that happened, the sound running meets in California. That was going to be the races I was trying to prepare for, um, solid fields. But also it was when we diagnosed this problem back in December, we're like, hey, our sites are on this May meet. Fast forward now, we are getting really close to these May meets. And it's like, okay, I, I really got to see what I can do. Like I actually got to do some trial stuff to see how I feel. And, uh, we did a, uh, by we, I mean my, uh, Matt and myself, we did a workout at Buffalo park. It was a super windy so day. Matt Baxter, Matt Baxter. Yeah. Matt daddy, as we call him now that he's a dad. Um, and some other nicknames I obviously can't say on the podcast cause it's, this is supposed to be family friendly. Um, we did a workout together back at Buffalo park. Well, you know, back to the good old days of, you know, when we were cutting down trees and, um, after that workout, it was, uh, we did two sets of a ladder. It was like one minute, two minute, three minute, three minute, two minute, one minute with the rest being like, if I did one minute on, it was one minute off and then two minute on two minute off, etc. We did two sets of that. And that was a, that was a pretty big tester for me. And I felt kind of okay after that workout, but not fully hundred percent. It was like, Hey, I have days in between. This is good. Like, I, I feel solid. And it was a really windy day too. Um, and then we went down to Camp Verde and we did K's workouts and I did 10 K's 
and it was kind of a cut down uh, progression and uh, I felt good from the start. It felt pretty good in the middle and at the end where I was literally have to hit times that I had to hit for the trials and for anything. And this is like, you know, this is 10Ks with rest in between, you know, I have to do this without rest in between. And I was just on the struggle bus and uh, we had to do 100 meter uh, kind of strides at the end. I couldn't do that. And my Achilles was flaring up and hurting so bad that I couldn't even do the cool down. And so I was kind of walking back and I saw a coach and I was like, I, I think we need to talk to uh, AJ, my PT guy on Monday. And uh, I think we need to uh, sort some things out. And it was kind of at that moment where I kind of saw the writing on the wall. And I was like, yeah, I think this is this is the end of the road uh, for me in regards to uh, trying to make it to Tokyo or trying to make it to the trials. Um, so it was pretty bittersweet, but um, I, I, if if I can't physically do a cool down, I don't know how I'll be able to make it to a starting line anyway. <laughs> right. And then you'd get to get to the point now where we're looking at it. We're, you know, five weeks from the trials and you mentioned the sound running meet, the track meet. Um, that was this past weekend. So we're recording this on Sunday night. This meet just finished up. Um so obviously, you know, that's that was kind of of, um, of the moment. And like you said, it was really a stacked field. And when it comes down to it, you know, we're a month away from primetime. So, you know, I, I can see exactly where you're coming from. When you went to go see AJ and have him look at the Achilles, um, had it cooled down by then? You know, was it still kind of did, did it, had it regressed in, in his eyes as well? Or what was the diagnosis slash prognosis? Yeah, so when I did kind of like my visit to kind of tell AJ what was going on, I had the coaches with me too, so they could hear what was going on to see his prognosis. And I told AJ, I was like, yeah, I did a workout this weekend at Camp Verde, and I just had trouble walking over the weekend. Like the workout was on Friday, and I had trouble walking Saturday and Sunday. And it kind of kind of felt like I had trouble walking. Like I could, like it was the same trouble walking like my like what I had in December after my when I walked off the track my trouble walking there it was kind of like I we we did another blow up this is another setback and this was for a workout that was up our vein um up the step that we needed to take and I talked to AJ and he's like well we knew that it was going to be um we, we knew that this was going to be by chance and we wanted to see how this worked out and he's like I know that you might see this as a failure uh but you did build strength, which is true. Like I, I've done stuff in the weight room that I haven't done at NAU with my Achilles strength wise doing, um, toe walks and anything of that matter. And, uh, my right Achilles has been noticeably looking stronger than my left one. So he's like, we haven't, it's not like you got weaker from this. You have gone stronger during this duration. It just sucks that we couldn't get to the line, which I know like for Amelia, it's kind of like, yeah, look, I failed, but it's kind of, I try to look at the positive in it, but, um, yeah, it, it just got to the point where like, I couldn't walk and everything. And he's like, yeah, I'll just take some downtime. And I think the most active thing I've done since then was I went um, on a bike ride on the trails out here. And that just felt good to get out of the house. But I have an MRI scheduled literally for uh, Tuesday of uh, this upcoming week. And so I'm kind of excited and anxious to see what the hell is going on with my ankle. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a really tough conversation to have. I I'm usually never a person that gets uh, caught up in the moment, really emotional. Like I used to rip uh, just speeches in front of my class. Like it was nothing. I was physically like sweating, telling AJ that I couldn't do this anymore. It was, it was a kind of a tough uh, conversation to have. When you were having that conversation or even preparing to have that conversation, um, did you, 
did you have any regrets about how things had either transpired in leading up to December or what has happened since? I have no regrets on uh, on how we handled the situation after December, and I have no regrets handling the decision up to December. Because um, I know Coach Ben, when I was in the recovery process, like, I wish we could have nipped this in the butt in December when he told us that you were feeling bad. But I told Ben, I was like, hey, I had the same situation on my left Achilles, and I ended up running 13-16 for a 5K, 7.45 for a 3K. I was about to race at nationals. I like tripled at my conference meet and I split like a 402 at my DMR on the wooden track. So it was like my 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 ankle was holding up and then COVID happened and I sat on my butt and that helped it out. So I was like, hey, it just happened to go on this. It felt the same as my other Achilles. It didn't feel bad. So I have no regrets. I'm trying to train through it. I just didn't know the magnitude was going to blow up to. And even after the December one, uh, I'm just glad that we took a chance. I would rather take a chance and not have a workout than just play it safe and not and and not see what the potential is. Cause I know like a lot of I know this is kind of a two edged sword for me. I am I'm twenty four years old. I, I know I'm really early on in my career and I feel like I have a lot of time on the table. But also being an elite distance athlete, the shelf life is also short too. I'm not like a first baseman in the MLB where I could just rip 25 seasons and I could be like A-OK, you know, uh, unless you're like Bernard Lagat or <laughs> or Nick Willis. But, you know, those are like two examples out of the plethora of people that they've, you know, been in the same as their colleagues are, I would say. But yeah, no, it was it's I have no regrets uh, in the decision. I just regret that we you wasted a person to talk to during the <laughs> road to the trials. <laughs> We'll have we'll have you back on right before the trials, and you can give some like intrepid commentary on what you think is going to happen. Oh, you don't want me guessing. I'm a terrible guesser. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, for me personally, like this was a really great experience to have. And obviously, the I mean, I'm not the old, like. Although my journey is ending, the people that you're talking to, their journeys are still beginning. You know, like uh, I know Frank did just raced in California, and he's progressing really well onto the trials. So there's a lot more people that you definitely have to talk to the trials. I just hope that hopefully three years by now, I hopefully make the cut for this trial talk, and we can have a different outlook on this. Uh, on, on at least from my standpoint on this podcast. Well, I'll tell you what. No matter what happens, no matter what happened in this buildup, right? There was still going to be things on your calendar in the fall, in the early winter, and things like that, right? So uh, every person I talked to, at some point, was the question is going to come up like, hey, post-Olympics, even assuming that you're there, there's going to be other things, right? The, the, the racing calendar doesn't end, necessarily, especially for someone like yourself, who has... You're building up to the 10K, maybe you want to move up to the half marathon. There's, a lot, there's other things potentially on the table for you. With all of that in mind, what are what are some things that you're doing right now that you're planning on doing? So you got the MRI coming up in a, in a couple of days. Um, what are some potential options that you're looking at, and what are some potential timelines moving forward? So right now, uh, my timeline is only up to Tuesday of the upcoming week. Uh, I I know that like you just said minus the MRI, but I had to bring up the MRI just because I just kind of want to see. What, how, what the level my Achilles is, how much damage is done, what damage is not done, if it shows anything, if it shows something, because then I could see, you know, whatever that timeline is, you know, if 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 I could just do strength stuff or sit on my butt stuff or be in a walking boot, well, that's going to push back some timeline. If I need surgery, that's obviously going <laughs> to 
put a big uh, uh, stoppage to everything. But let's just say everything all goes well. And all I need is like some TLC, maybe some witch doctor stuff. My Achilles is back to normal. Um, I think isn't World Cross going to be the end of this year uh, for our, the Americans to I, I mean, I just know that World Cross is coming up. I would love to be on the American team for that. I think uh, if I am a healthy person, I feel like I am a good cross country athlete. And I think that's a good team to make. Um, and there's also world championships next year. And then, I mean, if you think about it, instead of waiting four years for the Olympic trials, we only have uh, three. Heaven forbid another pandemic doesn't hit us again. But I mean, our last major pandemic was the Spanish flu. And that was like almost 100 years ago. So I think we should be good on the timeline's sake. But, you know, 2020 was 2020. So um, murder hornets and everything. But yeah, I would say try to, <laughs> I think the first thing is just being able to walk pain-free again and being able to run again. Uh, I think that's just the biggest thing. And then if everything like that goes well, see the world cross team for sure. And try to get myself ready for trying to make a world track team, I guess. And um, actually be a professional runner instead of feeling guilty telling people I am a professional runner, but just a professional couch potato at this point. <laughs> uh, do, do you guys um, have a certain um, educated guess on what you th- on what they think the injury is going to be. I know sometimes it's like, hey, we don't know until we take a look. Other times it's like, no, it's probably one of these two things. We'll figure it out as we go in there. Obviously, um, there are certain, you know, especially when you're dealing with, with a very specific area, there's always just like a, there's a certain range of possibilities. And sometimes there are a broader range than others, but sometimes you just know ahead of time, like, hey, it's going to be one of these two or three things. We'll just figure it out. Yeah, I think uh, I think the coaches don't really uh, have an idea. It's not because they're not checking in. They're not the one touching my like leg or anything. They're just hearing what I tell them. But with AJ, he was saying that like it doesn't feel like anything's torn because the way that I'm jacking your ankle around, you would be literally screaming in pain if it was torn. I was like, okay, um, it it could be a little bit. It could be maybe something with Haglin's uh, deformity, which is you know a normal thing for us runners, sadly. So. Um, I, my guess it could be something with Haglins, but again, I'm a journalism major. I'm not a doctor. Um, so I, I mean, my so you're reading, just, you're reading long form pieces on Achilles tendons right now. So, well, so for journalism, we're, we're not like, we're not like typical writers. We're in school. It's like, yo, you have to do a five page essay. We're taught to cut down and only fit like long form into like a paragraph. So for me, it's a really long <laughs> You're doing form. the reverse pyramid. Is that Correct. what this podcast is oh, going to be about? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, I'm not I'm not here giving you pages. No, I'm here to dumb it down, make it easy for the reader to understand, and we move on. Inverted pyramid, for sure. Important stuff in the beginning and then frilly frill stuff in the end. And then wrap it up if you're good. But yeah, it's uh, I, I think for me it might be something with haggling stuff to see with any like uh some bone buildup on that tendon area. Um or it could be a little something else. Again, I have no clue. The power of the MRI is gonna tell me on Tuesday. No, I hear you. It's funny. I, I actually had MRI this past week, and there's some crazy contraptions, man. It's like he's like, you got you got to put in the earplugs, and it's loud as all hell. <laughs> it's crazy. I've actually like this is my first major injury where I need to actually go to a place to get an MRI. Hundred uh, percent. Like I, I it's I mean it's kind of feel guilty saying that because I went through my whole college college career. Again, the longest I've ever been out with an injury was I went over the handlebars playing Pokemon Go and I screwed up my hip. Again, another day, <laughs> another time. I was trying to catch a Pidgey, didn't work out. That's this is this is what started all of it. It was the upper chain 
hip issue that has now led is we can all bring it back to Pokemon Go. It, it, it altered your gait, and then you're, you're you're screwed forever now because of Pokemon Go. Well, it's funny because like whenever I look at my running stride, it's actually my left leg that I feel like my gait's all jacked up because my right is my dominant leg. So I feel like my right is like like the model of what my la- left should be, but instead my left is what my model for for my right should be. But yeah, no, I I I've never had an MRI before. I never had a broken bone, knock on wood, or any any lacerations of that matter that caused me to get surgery. So this is all new to me. My dad, he's he's a test dummy in our house. Like he's the one that gets checked up splintered up you know shot up with anything so i'm pretty by asking for advice on how to prepare for an mri he's gonna tell me to pick the best radio station in flagstaff to have a clear mind and then just get prepared to just have all your senses just get like assaulted with all these noise and sounds and beeps and x-rays and all that fun jazz i tried to make it like a game to see if i could fall asleep <laughs> during it it's, it's I mean, like, I, I, I succeeded and I was really happy. I was like proud of myself. I'm like, I did it. I did it. Of course, I had like two screaming kids running around my house for like the previous 36 hours. So like I was due for a nap no matter what. You were already but, preconditioned. Yeah. You're, you're already like other runners get conditioned for a race. You got conditioned for the MRI just having one. I set myself up for success. Yes, 100%. You had one kid in one year, one kid in the other year, and you just tried to namaste. I, I see you, Matt. I see you. Hey folks, the Road to the Trials podcast is presented by Koros Wearables, makers of performance GPS watches that help athletes train to their best. Athletes like world record marathoner Elliot Kipchoge and multi-time US champion Emma Coburn trust Koros watches to track their training from long runs to track workouts with their innovative track mode, which I Frankly, I'm just going to input this. I love their track mode. This is one of the reasons I love these watches. You can measure your next track workout to near perfection, whether you've got 400 meter repeats in lane one or a four mile tempo in lane five. You can trust Coral's watches to provide the stats that you crave. So show your support for the brands that support this podcast and pick up the Pace 2, the latest GPS watch on the market. Enter code TRIALS at checkout on Coros.com. That's C-O-R-O-S.com for free accessory with your purchase. You can just pick whichever one you like after you enter the code. So when you use the Coros product, you know you're getting a premium watch designed, tested, and perfected by the athlete and for the athlete. Give Coros a follow on Instagram or on Facebook at Coros Global. Coros, explore perfection. All right, so so let's talk about your... Like your interaction with the team right now, right? So you have you know, your teammates, the men and the women of Nazlete are all kind of working towards a similar goal, uh, either to get their qualifying time and or to do as well as they can at the trials and hopefully progress through there. That You're no lesser part of the team now because you're injured than you were before. But what's that like for you trying to be a um, active member of the team, but also trying to make sure that you're helpful to people and not necessarily like, you know, it's hard, right? Because I've been, I've been that person on you know when I played college basketball, where I was I was the injured person on the team, and you don't want to bring anyone down, but you don't want to remove yourself either. So how do you go about that process? Yeah, I feel like as a professional, it's difficult to stay engaged with the team, and it's not because of my teammates; like they're great, but let's just say compared to college, right? College, you go to classes, you all meet up in one place, whether you're injured or not, the coach gives you the spiel of the workout. And then the people who are healthy, they get shipped out for the workout while you go downstairs or to your 
respective trainer and they work on you, but you see your teammates every day. Uh, for me, it's, it's not like we have a facility to go to anything. Like everyone has, you know, separate lives. Like my teammates have kids. My teammates are, you know, they're not studying for a chemistry exam. They're literally running errands, you know? And so for me, I don't see them every day on a day-to-day basis. Cause I, I just can't go to practice. Uh, I, cause I can't run. Um, I was planning on asking Ben if I could bring my bike and I could bike with him with one of the runs, but I don't know if that was going to disrupt my Achilles or not. And so, uh, hopefully, I mean, if Ben hears this, Ben, can I ride the bike with the team again? <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, but for me, it's been really difficult for that face to face interaction at least, but thank God we live in a time where, you know, we have the whole entire world at our fingertips via cell phone, laptop, tablets, you name it. And so for me, I, whenever, you know, Matt has a good workout or something that came in, how was the workout? Send a quick text message there, send a quick snap over here. Um, so I try to check, I try to be like the annoying girlfriend and just check in or the annoying mother and check in like constantly with them. Um, but also just try to watch any opportunity that they are racing, um, stay up for that and, and, and see what they do. And obviously try to have that conversation with Ben being like, Hey, I saw the race. How do you feel about Matt's performance? This is how I feel about, this is how my interpretation of what Matt should have done or what Ryan should have done or anyone. Um, and just, you know, try to be a good cheerleader, try to be a good teammate when uh, you can't do what they can do. And not only that, we're talking about your current team right now, but you still live just as close to your previous team. Yeah. As you, as you did before, right. you're still in the same town. What's that like for you watching from not really afar, but separated from them, but still, obviously you're so close to them. You're still, I'm sure I'm, I'm guessing friendly with the people on the team and, and the the coaches and all of that. What's that like for you uh, seeing them progress through their season? Yeah. Like for instance, yesterday I watched track and field all day. I, I watched the ESPN coverage of the track meet. And then I watched the big sky conference on Pluto TV, where I saw the NEU men and women's team uh, compete for Hopefully conference title, spoiler alert, we killed it as usual. Um, and then, so I saw them kill it. Uh, both the throws did great this year at the Big Sky meet. Uh, our jumps and sprints, we we got bodies in finals, which is great to do. And our distance peeps, we just overwhelmed them, getting like one, two, three, four, five or up there. So it was awesome to see on both male and women, uh, both men and women. It was great to watch that. So I was getting pumped because they did that. And then uh, went over to a teammate's house, uh, Danny um, and and her boyfriend and we watched uh, the night under the lights version to watch our NAZ teammates. Uh, run. Was that Jack? Okay. Yeah, Jack. Okay. Yeah, Jack. Man, he's a he's a cool dude. Has a great beard, great personality. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so like for me, I, I, I even though I can't participate, I'm kind of glad to see that you know my my past teammates and my current teammates are able to participate and that that makes me feel better it kind of it kind of dulls down the pity party that i'm giving myself right now now when you think about you know your progression now and obviously you're you're going to get back to health at some point and you're going to be back racing at some point um are there certain people that you think about like, all right, they were able to do xyz so now i think i should be able to do xyz are there certain you know either not not mentor is too strong of a word, but people that you look up to who you know have come through injuries and come out the other side or something along those lines. I don't want to be too dramatic about it, but uh, it's so easy for us to compare ourselves to other people, whether it be positively or negatively, or if they've been through a similar circumstance. Yeah. Let's get the soap opera going. No, I kid. Um, (laughs) I think one of the, one of the 
main immediate ones was actually my uh, NAZ or NAU teammate Jordy Beamish. Uh, he's now an on athlete, the Boulder team that's uh, led by Dathan. He was a dude where he's extremely talented. I feel like he's one of the like he's way more talented than me, obviously, and a lot of people I've ever seen in the running sport. Uh, but that dude was just constantly obliterated with injuries since he's came to NAU. I remember his freshman year, he qualified for regionals in the 1500 and he blitzed the 1500, but he separated his back and he couldn't like compete crazy. And then there was a time where he like, he was racing in Stanford and he stepped on the inside bar and it screwed up his ankle attendance stuff. And that like derailed his season. But again, like this dude was, he was still an all American runner for us in cross country when we needed him the most. He's a dude that he ran, he's our mile national champion. Like he, like, and, and that was during a time where he was battling his own injuries to get there. So I, and for me, it, it's easy to tell people like, oh, you gotta do is just work hard and do it when I've never been injured. I'm just pretty much talking out of my butt. When Jordy was the dude where that dude was constantly sidelined, like I've seen that dude cross train just talking to people because that's what he has to do to keep going. And yet he's still moving forward. I mean, and, and he's a professional runner, like, and he was able to do it. He's a national champion individual and as a team member and was able to have really fast times too, doing it too. So I know Jordy uh, comes up in my mind a lot. And then another one is, uh, uh, that was just someone immediate to me. And I know another one was uh, just any runners in general. Like I know that I looked to Steph and she had her own bouts of injuries. Kellen, she has her own bouts of injuries. Um, any of like the, you know, any big runner that's been running now is, I just remember I was kind of complaining. My girlfriend's like, name me a single runner that has never had injuries that's able to progress. And that kind of shut me up real quick. So thanks, Clarissa. <laughs> like, no, show me some empathy, please. Yeah. I do not want to participate in this game. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I know like for me, like the immediate answer was thinking about Jordy, but then in all spectrum, every runner, uh, I mean, even, you know, Galen Rupp, you know, whether you like him or not, the dude had his own Achilles injuries and he came back and did his stuff, like even the best of the best do it. So for me, I just rode this roller coaster for a long time, not having uh, any problems. And I'm very fortunate for that. But as Coach Smith told me back, uh, you know, when I was doing good, like there's going to be a crossroads one day you're going to cross. It just depends how you're going to treat that crossroads. And right now uh, I feel I'm in the intersection waiting to see which route I'm taking. Well, I'm excited for you, Tyler. I know this is not how you wanted this particular season to end, but there'll be more seasons in the future. And who knows? Maybe you'll be like the Kevin Garnett of running. Come back from your Achilles tendon injury. You'll go for a title, whatever that title ends up being. Anything is possible. Also, he just went to the Hall of Fame, so that's a good reference. Did I say it. Kevin Garnett? Yeah. I meant Kevin Durant. Oh, <laughs> I, I got like I got the Hall of Fame on my on my brain because I'm such a hoop, hoops fan. I I said Kevin Garnett because that was on the brain. I meant Kevin Durant, who actually tore his Achilles 18 months ago yeah, um, yeah. with the Golden State Warriors. But oh hey, well, what both we... both great. They're both tall. They're both lanky. The, you know, one dude's in the Hall of Fame, one dude's called the Slim Reaper, pretty much on his way to the Hall of Fame. But yeah, no, uh, yeah, hopefully I could be my own uh, Kevin Durant or be my own, you know, hopefully I could channel the Sasquatch energy <laughs> and uh, do my stuff. But yeah, I, I just want to say like, yeah, thank you for chatting with me during this, you know, tumultuous journey to the trials. And for anyone that was listening and was wishing for me luck, I do appreciate I do appreciate the support. Hopefully, Matt has a consideration for the, you know, for 
in three years in the future, hopefully I have a spot in this podcast and hopefully it'll be a lot more sexier talk than me talking about <laughs> me being bedridden. But I do appreciate anyone that does uh, listen to me uh, talk. I know it's really tough to hear and I do ramble, but I appreciate it. No, I love it, man. I, I I could have these conversations all the time. You need to hop onto Rory's podcast and you guys can break down who was at fault at the beginning of the 1500 meter of the sound running meet. Go can we frame talk by about frame. that real quick? Like, I thought this would track me, but next thing I know, it was just Greco wrestling. I don't know what happened, but it was crazy. It was crazy. I think I watched that. I think I watched that replay no less than 50 times. I'm still not exactly sure what happened. Like, I mean, I, I saw what happened, but I'm like, who was it? There was a bump on this side, and there was a bump on this side, and there was a bump on this side. Then there was the pull down. Like, I don't know if I can blame like any one person here. It was wild. There's very few times as a track and field fan where you watch a track and field race and you're watching it, not for the end result, but what like what happened during it. And that like, I think I've seen that replay many times and it's, I have only replayed it for like the just like first, what was it? 30 seconds of it. I mean, sure. Central it's one he's back. Like he's a great athlete, but I, I, I don't think that takes the cake for that video. I think, you know, Mohamed and Eric just duking it out literally was uh, taking the cake for that race. But yeah, I for Rory's thing, I asked, hey, if you need another dude in the podcast, you know, hit me up. And he's like, yeah, for sure. But he never hit me up, which is probably a good thing because I don't want to ruin the podcast. <laughs> Did you see, I think it was the Big 12 meet, the end of the 800 meter. Oh, I so I I didn't watch it, but I went on Twitter before talking to you and I saw a little gif or jif or who however you pronounce it, that little mini video of the Iowa State dude pretty much shoving the dude in like lane three. But I heard that he ended up losing still. So all I'm saying is I should be DQ, but I'm not an official. So that was that was insane. That I was. could not <laughs> believe it. I was I was like, if you just showed me that gif, I guess I always pronounce it gif. I don't know if it's right either. I would have been like this must have been like the third or fourth like pack in a big race. Like who cares who crosses the finish line next? Like, you know what I mean? Like I would have never guessed that was like to win, like them to go that far out. But it actually brought up another question. Like would this again, I don't think it would be beneficial to the runners at all. Yeah. Purely as from a spectator perspective of contact being perfectly legal. If you keep your elbows in, like if you could bumper car, would that be could could we make that legal where if the elbow goes out extended almost like offensive foul in basketball if you <laughs> yeah. raise your elbow it's a charge but if you keep it in and just do the James Harden shoulder then that's legal well also you got to consider what could be considered flopping a track too like i for me my last 1500 meter in college i have a pretty wide wingspan and i was trying to block a dude from passing me on the outside and trying to keep us in the just sweep the top three metal placements and so kind of got my elbow out just a little bit i tapped the dude and uh whatever happened uh, how he reacted it caused me to get dq'd but i didn't shove him like the pac 12 dude or drag anyone down like the race that we talked previously um but with that bumper car idea I think that works for like 800 stuff where you kind of like you're going so fast you could bump. But in those 10Ks, when you just feel like claustrophobic, like you don't need to bumper car. You already are bumper carring. <laughs> and so uh, I think it just depends on what race. But again, like you might have some quote unquote floppers in these track races too that might sell it. But then it's going to, you know, is then is it really competing or is it just did I pay a ticket to a Broadway show? I don't know. That's just me. 
That's just exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, you get a technical foul for the flop. I don't know how we can, you know. Oh, I mean, you can't shoot a free throw or, you know, you, you can't push him back 10 yards. All you can do is just DQ him and then have some coach try to explain their, their side of things, I guess. No, I think Maybe. you have to do 10 burpees after the finish line. No, no, no wrong sport. Oh. Wrong oh, sport. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, if you run your race collect correctly, you could just do one burpee and be done. Like, because you'd already be on the ground. Like, you could just <laughs> stay there. You know, have someone pour water on you. Call the stretcher. Call, you know, life alert. Help me. I can't get up. Type of situation. All right, last one. You watched a ton of track this weekend. Um, you were fully invested. It was just there was just so much running. Who do you like watching the most? I'll say this. You can't say any of your teammates, so I'll take Dang that pressure it. off. All right? So we'll say you can't say anyone on Nazalite because obviously that would be your answer, obviously. Okay. However, if you could choose anyone else to watch right now or the person that you most enjoyed watching, who would that be? Um, obviously, I love watching the Lumberjacks compete. Um, and I know it's like you're biased, Ty. You're biased, Ty. But let me, let, me, let me explain myself real quick. So I know that our men's team, our multiple-time cross-country men's national champ. Cool. We got that out of the way. Seeing the progression of our women's distance team has been so amazing to watch. I remember when I joined my freshman year, how our women's team was. It, it was tough. It was a really tough situation, um, kind of a tough locker room. But now the guys that we have on the team now, they believe that they can do it, and, and they should believe they do it. They can prove that they can do it. Seeing how they progress has been wonderful. So the dis the NAU women's team thumbs up. Um, seeing how the men and women throws at NAU, seeing how they've been progressing and how they've been dominant. They they were dominant during my last year, and they just put more firepower to the team, and they absolutely killed it. The MVP of the meet was a gal named Matilda Rowe, who put up twenty five points. Thumbs up to them. And uh, in our sprints and jumps, they those are usually overlooked, and that's not you know when you come to NAU, you don't really come for sprinting. So. To have sprinters come to our school, we really appreciate that. And having to make it to finals and just get points for us, that's amazing too. So the NAU track and field team, not just being a distance team, but being a well-rounded track team, double thumbs up. Now, without now putting all my biases aside, um, yeah, I do really appreciate watching um, Rachel Schneider, how she races in any race, 1500, 5K, 10K maybe even the roads in the future. I don't know. Just seeing how she's kind of a chameleon and just adapts to any race in any situation. That's really awesome to see. Um, and, uh, and just also seeing uh, just, yeah, those are just a few of things that popped out of my mind. Um, Cause you said no NAC elite people. So that kind of cut off my answer so, yeah. real quick. I tried to take the biases out. Then I forgot NAU. Oh my God. Well, see, this is, this is proof that lumberjacks and Sasquatches can live amongst each other perfectly fine it's nice to see that harmony between the two you'd think that that would be potentially a contradiction in terms but here you are repping both totally yeah i mean you get a lot of looks trying to be looking like a homeless mountain man but uh, it seems to be accepted up here and not nowhere else so i'm in the right place for that well, Tyler, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for being part of this series. I know everyone who has heard those episodes, I people reach out to me all the time, how much they love hearing you. Uh, so keep up the great work. And I know this, every single runner, as you mentioned, it deals with injuries. So I would say, hey, there's a lot of fans out there who'd love to hear, you know, as you progress through this, how you're doing it, because so many of us deal with similar things and hearing how a professional handles an injury can be so instructive for the rest of us. So please keep us informed and good luck in the future.
Oh, dude, yeah. Thank you to everyone that's heard my segment of the podcast. But just because I'm done doesn't mean you can't stop listening to the other great runners are on this podcast, too. So give them a listen. Matt, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a good night. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti from InPost Media. Also, thank you to MetaP for the music and his song, Evolution. Deep. I'm a real person.